Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Wiki Shuffle. We hope you had a marvellous Christmas. I'm Jack. Yeah. Christmas is done now. Christmas yeah. future. We yeah, we're recording this on the eighth of December. Yes. So a long time back. Ninth of December. Um what could have happened from now until Christmas? Presents. Presents, yep, yeah, they'll, they'll have happened, Phil. Yeah. Um the goose will have got fat. The goose will have Some got fat. Some pennies will have been put into an old man's hat. Yep. Yeah. Any celebrity deaths? Uh any predictions? Hmm. Who will have... Hopefully Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah Trump. might have self-combusted. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I can imagine him doing that. He looks the sort. Yeah, you know what? He kind of does. Doesn't he? Yeah. That would be great, wouldn't it? Maybe the static from his hair. I can just see it. Mm, I hope Donald Trump and Boris Johnson meet up and both get hit by a bus. Hmm. God, what is that... Messy hair disaster. That they must. Be. They must have met each other at some point. Surely, I feel like they have. Uh, I think they have. But yeah, Boris has come out and said he doesn't want to meet um, Donald Trump now because they can't be in the. And everyone's the like, time. "Oh, lol, Boris is a legend. He's so funny." Ha ha ha. But he's, you know, he's he's more Trump than the rest of us. Mm. So there's your Christmas message. Do not let Boris Johnson rule the UK. Anyway, moving on. New Year approaching. We've got two more gifts to give out. It's my ones. It's Both Chris's Chris. gifts. So, uh, which order should we do it in? Well, Chris, you can decide whose gift would you like first. Hmm. Judging by the last one, I'm going to say Phil's. Okay. Because All right. Because? We'll, we'll save what is the inevitable tragedy till the end. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's do that. So, Phil, um, tell us a little bit about what you've picked for Chris. Well, I've picked... It's another person I'm gifting, a human being. Oh, okay. Um, who's, uh, it's kind of weird slavery. Um, so this is a woman, a human like woman, woman for I like, you. I like women. Um, and the good thing about this woman is, by my calculation, she's probably in her mid-50s by now. Oh, so, oh, this yeah, is your, your, your okay. age bracket. Okay. Um, and... Will combine. It's 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 a, a meeting point where a number of your um, 
things combine, things that you enjoy combine. So we've got mm. a woman in her 50s, a strong, a strong woman like a strong in woman. her 50s. And um, I think I've got it. At the same time, um, a certain, certain class of film that you're particularly partial oh. to. Ooh. Oh, God. <laughs> so Ooh. for Christmas, okay. a, a few days late now. Yes. Because it's the 29th by now, but so I apologise that it's late, but still, it's okay. the, the thought that counts. I would like to give you the gift of April O'Neil. Oh, uh, April. From the Turtles. From the Turtles. Yellow jumpsuited reporter lady. Friends with the Turtles. A bit weird. Boy sport is a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was sure that was going a different way. I thought it was going to be Jenna Jameson or someone. No, it's, it's films not that, smut. Films that you're... Yeah, but Phil said it's films that you're heavily into. <laughs> <laughs> Older lady, which she is now, I guess... She's not that old, but she's not in her fifties. Tell me about April that I don't already know. <laughs> <laughs> oh great! I've already we're got not one of these. <laughs> we're not doing this next year. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. April O'Neil is a fictional character from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics Damn. and all related media. Mm-hmm. In all of the TMNT community, in all of the TMNT continuities, that's not a. It's not a trip off the tongue um, acronym, is no. it? TMNT. It TMNT. needs a vowel in there. Yeah. Um, so the TMNT continuities. She is a good friend of the turtles: Leonardo, Donatello, Raphael, and Michelangelo. It's weird, though, isn't it? The turtles is weird. No, the turtles is fine. Uh, that they're friends with they're friends April with O'Neil, and they hang around in the sewer together. Uh, yeah, it is weird. Are you, no denying that from me. So you're a Turtles fan, is that fair yeah, to say? Yeah, I would say so. I remember when I was a kid, I had all the toys. I liked the cartoon, which you can't watch now. You can't watch now. You can, it's just it's not as good as I remember. <laughs> no, I would imagine not. So can you tell me from your memory and personal knowledge which colour bandanas each of the Turtles oh, wear? Yeah, totally. Uh, go on then. Donatello is purples. I knew it would be purple first. Yeah. <laughs> Raphael Chris is... loves purple. Have we mentioned that on the podcast before? <laughs> I do love purple. What are you wearing today? I'm wearing a, a cardigan with purple trim. <laughs> yes, and what, what about underneath the cardigan? A purple t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I do like purple. You do. You Even really though Donatello do. was my least favourite. Uh, and what's your favourite um, quality street? Oh, it is the purple one, actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Interesting. Not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, Raphael is red. Yep, Leonardo is blue. I, I say yeah as if I can yeah, verify you know. this. I'm taking your word and for it. Michelangelo is orange. Ver- and he was a party dude. <laughs> no denying that. <laughs> April made her first appearance in the Mirage comic series in 1984 as a computer programmer. You see? So she's- see, no, I didn't know that because I'm not a nerd. you're just not a very good one yeah maybe (laughs) Uh, she was later portrayed as a strong-willed news reporter in the turtles first animated series as a warrior in the teenage mutant ninja turtles adventures comic produced by archie comics and various other personas in different tmnt media that is a really ugly lumpy i've had to live with that yeah it's It's a burden 
TMHT. It, it's yeah, almost that? better, isn't it? Yeah, Teenage Mutant. Well, uh, American listeners, you might not be aware that mm-hmm. in the UK in the 1980s, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were seen as a bit too much controversy. A bit too much for us. Too violent. So the no cartoon, ninjas, please, we're British. No, <laughs> yeah, no ninjas, we're British. So the name was changed for no discernible reason to the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. And they're not heroes. It'll be well, Teenage Mutant yeah. Hero Turtles, Heroes in a Half Shell. So it's repeating yeah. the line. Yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. logical. Makes they no didn't sense. say ninjas in a half shell. Maybe no. they did. I can't really I remember. I think they did. I don't think they did. Um, Turtle power. <laughs> Turtle power, indeed. <laughs> yes, Chris. April was. He's, you he's like perked right up again. He's perked right up. <laughs> I like, I like he April. He looks so deje- uh, dejected after Unit 731, and now he's. Well, happy you again. know, that's, an e- that's easy to do. It is quite easy to do. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, just yeah. wait until the article I've got for you. Oh, I don't want to know yet. Let's <laughs> just focus on things I like. Okay. okay. April was voiced by Renee Jacobs in the 1987 animated series, in the 2003 animated series by Veronica Taylor, by Sarah Michelle Geller in the 2007 I film. I did not Teenage know that. And that brings us back. Full circle. Full circle. Yeah. I, when you gave me my gift, I thought, well, the one thing I can enjoy from this <laughs> is the serendipity of the fact that we've both given Buffy-related gifts. Yeah. And completely different ends of the spectrum. Absolutely. Is that how you describe Giles and Buffy? They're, they're... No, Turtles and Coffee. Right, yes. I saw what you mean. They didn't do caffeine. No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> In the 2012 animated series, April is voiced by Mae Whitman, who's one of my favourites. I love favorites. Mae Whitman. Uh-huh. Egg, Egg from Arrested Development. Ah, uh, yeah. Egg. No. <laughs> no idea. No, I, I love Mae. She's, um... I've watched a lot of her this year, actually, because I've rewatched Arrested Development. I've watched Parenthood for the first time, and I just watched The Duff. Yes. Um, which was a bit duff. I quite liked the Duff uh, in that I absolutely adore um, Mean Girls, and it was just a bit more of that, really, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, uh, it's not I, like I Mean Girls. Okay but no one I haven't seen it, girls. but that's a good that's yeah. a description that I like. Yeah, like Mean Girls, not as good, but a bit more of, and yeah. that's fine. Even though Mae Whitman's about twenty years too old to play she, that character, yeah. but, but she does but look. That's fine. She kind of looks the age. So. I'm all right with that. She's always going to play a emo teen, isn't she? Forever. Yeah. Um, in live action media, she has been um, played by Judith Hogue in 1990, mm-hmm. Paige Turco in 1991 and 1993, and Megan Fox in I 2014. You remember Megan Fox? <sighs> I'd not, have, I would honestly have Mae Whitman a hundred times before Megan Fox once. Oh, God, yeah, obviously. Depends when. In any context. Between when? Like when Megan the Fox now. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Fox maybe from the first Transformers. Uh, now she's, she's a bit scary looking. Never understood she the scares attraction. me a little bit. This is good, this kind of conversation. What we can do here is we can pick up all of the readers of Zoo that are unhappy that Zoo doesn't exist anymore. They can come and yeah. listen to this podcast in which we just talk <laughs> about women we fancy. Yeah. We can yeah. do no, that. No, no, no. Let's turn the readers of Zoo will be all about Megan Fox. We're the thinking man's zoo. Is that? <laughs> we're the thinking man's nuts. We, <laughs> we, we are the type that would fancy Mae Whitman over Megan Fox, apart yep. from Chris, who definitely doesn't. But that's fine. That's fine. Well, neither of them are old enough, so... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. All no, right. Who's the other one? Who's the one, the one I like? What's her name? 
Megan Fox. No. Um, oh, the one you really fancy. Um, Kirsty Young. In the original Mirage comic storyline for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, April O'Neil was a skilled computer programmer and assistant to a famous yet nefarious scientist, Baxter Stockman. I tell you what's a fun job. Coming up with character names for comics. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, they can be as ridiculous Baxter. as you like. Baxter Stockman. She helped program his mouser robots, but after discovering Baxter was using them to burrow into bank vaults, she fled his workshop. Robots chased her into the sewer where she was promptly saved by three of the turtles. The turtles later successfully fended off a mouser invasion. This is new to me. Oh, see, origin story of April O'Neil. Yeah, you need to look backwards. Hollywood will be on it soon enough. Yeah, Yeah, probably will. (laughs) After leaving her job with Baxter, April decided to open an antique shop. Different. (laughs) One, transferable (laughs) skills, I'd say. Computer programmer, antiques dealer, transferable skills. Hmm. The shop was subsequently destroyed in a battle between the Turtles and Shredder and the Foot Clan. Oh, that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. (laughs) April and the Turtles... Wait, sorry, I'm... I like the Turtles as a very young kid, but I haven't really seen any since. Is Shredder the good rat guy? No, ooh, that's Splinter. Splinter. Well, come on, they have Jesus. the exact same name. You know so much about mankind so- off of wrestling. <laughs> but when it comes to the Turtles... Sorry, I'm not up to date on Turtles. I, got, I could remember that there was a big rat guy and he was called something similar to Shredder. Hmm. Splinter. Yeah, you know. But Shredder's he the wore, bad guy. He wore a purple suit. Yeah. I like that. I bet you did. And sh- uh, Shredder also is the was baddie he, with yeah. the knife suit on. All the knife suit blades on his shoulders. Yeah. Oh, that doesn't sound very. Safe. And he was voiced by the guy that did um, the dad in Fresh Prince. Archie Comics. In the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventure series produced by Archie Comics, April began as a carbon copy of her animated counterpart in the 1987 TV series, but the writers developed her into a competent warrior after training with Splinter. See, that's too much. What, for a woman to be a competent warrior? No, is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, it was okay that she came alive from a drawing, but her being (laughs) able to fight competently, too much. Yeah. I just like the, the yellow jumpsuit. Version. What, what, with the, with the got... big bust and the, no, the tight no, leather. That's, no, they went leather. You're, no. Hey, I don't know what it was made Don't of. put words in my mouth. Polyester, perhaps. <laughs> Polyester. It's hard, it's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. But you were... Without a good touch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, Chris, you're disgusting. Because of her frequent adventures with the turtles, she lost her job at Channel 6 and became a freelance reporter. Okay. In the winter 1994 Archie special, April was mutated into oh, a God. turtle herself. What? Oh, this made her the first official female turtle. There's been more? Yes. Three years later, Venus de Milo made, <laughs> oh, made her oh, debut. That's, that is, I didn't know that either. That's good. There's a female turtle. The no, Venus the, de Milo. The actual Venus de Milo. Well, no, because all of the all turtles the themselves get named after artists oh, okay. and, yeah. and competent yeah. scientists and, you know, Renaissance thinkers. Oh, yeah. right, yeah, And okay. the, the female one gets named after a, a work of yeah. art. It was the 90s. Now we're on to the 19... This is your specialist area. This is area. where I was... The 1987 animated series, even though by your own admission it's unwatchable now. It is unwatchable now. Okay. But I think a big part of it for me is when I was a kid, I had all the turtles. All four. All four turtles. <laughs> Not many. <laughs> yeah, but still. But some of them had like different things. Yeah, nunchucks. Nunchucks. One had a pizza, surely. In yeah. one of the films, this is a, a turtles fact I know, because for some reason the BBFC were dead against ninjas. 
and that's why they weren't allowed to be called ninjas. And in one of the films, they particularly dislike nunchucks, and so nunchucks oh, yeah. weren't allowed to appear and get a, a children's film classification. So in one of the fil- early films, the sort of 1990 film, there's a bit very badly edited where they've animated over the top of the nunchucks a string of sausages so that it could get a, a PG rating. Really? He likes pizza. But these days, you wouldn't even get sausages into a children's film. It'd be fucking Gnocchi or... I don't know, or Kale or something. String of Kale kale. to fight with. Uh, I don't know what Kale is. It's like a seaweed. Is it? It's cabbage. It's cabbage. Mm, cabbage. That sounds awful. You don't know what kale... I mean, no no sentence sums you up more than (laughs) I don't even know what kale is. No sentence sums you up more than... No sentence sums you up more than I don't know what kale is. So don't come at me, you big kale twat. <laughs> nice comeback. Witty repartee on Wiki Shuffle. <sighs> so, the 1987 cartoon series. April O'Neil was introduced as a television reporter for Channel 6 News. I remember she that. had a strong nature and passion for her work, frequently expressing disagreement with her employer, Byrne Thompson, and his assignments. She also fell out repeatedly with Vernon Fenwick, the director and camera operator whose enormous ego compelled him to scoop April on her stories wherever possible. April was best friends with Irma Langenstein, the receptionist at Channel 6. She lived in an apartment in New York City, though during the course of the series she was forced to relocate several times due to a variety of turtle-related mishaps. Don't be friends with them. That's a good running joke, isn't it? Every time she moves house, they just trash her house and just cover it in pizza. That's pretty much... April was reporting on a series of high-tech equipment thefts when she came under attack by a gang of street punks. That's an 80s sentiment, isn't it? Thinking quickly, she managed to squeeze into a storm drain and ran from the mob until she hit a dead end. The turtles were nearby and defeated the punks. She was taken back to their sewer lair where they explained their origins to her. At first, she believed them to be responsible for the equipment thefts, but they agreed to help find the true culprits if she kept quiet about the turtles' existence. Because, yeah, which of those two things is going to make a better story, Miss Reporter? Oh, we've (laughs) caught these hi-fi thieves, not the mutant turtles living in the sewers that she's got actual evidence of. April's friendship with the Turtles resulted in the opportunity to film exclusive footage of their encounters with Shredder, but despite her intimate knowledge of the details of their lives, she tended to keep her professional news reports about them impersonal and mysterious. In film, in the first live-action film, April was played by Judith Hogue. She was a television reporter working for Channel 3 News. I wonder why they felt the need to change the channel. I don't know. Do you think it was some focus group? They said, oh, no, Channel Freeze 3 will just ring a bit truer yeah. than Channel 6. So there's a big bit about what she gets up to in the film. But I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it. Is the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film good? Yes. Okay. Well, is it, is it detailed review there. It, it's 80s. It's of its time. 1990, actually. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Got that wrong. But, yeah, if you have to... Be the sort of person that doesn't mind Phil Collins to sort of appreciate these things. <laughs> doesn't mind. You're going to describe your adoration of Phil, Phil Collins as not minding him. Yeah, okay. I do love that. I love that song. You love Phil Collins, and that's okay. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. 
Nothing to be ashamed. Okay. Everything to be ashamed of. So there's a <laughs> there's a massive write up of everything that April does in the first film, and I can't bother reading all of it off. And then for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two, <laughs> The Secret of the Ooze, we get like a sentence. April was played by Paige Turco. She provides the turtles and Splinter with a place to stay after the destruction of their lair in the previous film and helps them research the company responsible for the mutagen that transformed the turtles into their present and state. I think that's pretty much the, it. The ooze. The ooze. I love that Judith Hogue got a bit too big for her boots, wasn't coming back for the sequel. <laughs> it's like, no, that's beneath me now. TMNT. April was voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar in the 2007 CGI film. A lot of Buffy references in our Christmas specials. There is. There is. And and that was coincident. It was. I really enjoyed that film. I made I've heard no that. It's quite good. It's, it's really good. The yeah. animation is really good. There's one particular scene where the turtles are doing some fighting in the rain, and the animation is awesome in it. It See? is a really great Other kids people film. like turtles too, until you said about kids' film. and then Megan Fox and then Megan Fox and then Megan Fox April appears in the reboot Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with Megan Fox playing the role I hated that film so much I've watched it three times and I don't like it any of the times (laughs) stop (laughs) stop watching it again stop re-watching that it's not going to get any better there is no redeeming qualities about that film the turtles themselves are really creepy they are creepy there's something just unpleasant about them yeah it's just I'll tell you what I'll do I'll watch it again and see if we get the same outcome no, you've watched it three <laughs> times. <laughs> you need a learning curve here. Stop it. And you know the most depressing thing about that film? I love Will Arnett. And so this is another oh, arrest Will Arnett, yeah. yeah. His character and his performance is one of the worst things I've ever seen it, on film. He phones it in sometimes. It's not fair. even phoned in. Really? It's some slapstick nonsense, the likes of which you just don't think should exist. Mm. The point is that he kind of fancies Megan Fox, but he's way too old for her, and he's completely incompetent in everything that he does, and so he falls over a lot. Yeah, I've only lot seen the film once, so you can give me he more detail. He falls over at least four times. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just terrible. But an interesting link there, another Arrested Development tie, which I hadn't put those two together. Yeah. Arrested Development and Buffy. One's yeah. great, one's Buffy. Oh. I've had, <laughs> Chris oh. is not happy with that. I'm not happy about that. Phil's not happy with that. That was, that was proper 90s. I've, I've not given Buffy. I mean, I, I didn't like it. I don't think you would like but, it, to be honest. Yeah. And it hasn't aged well, if I'm honest. If you didn't experience it the first time. No. Right? I did, and You're I didn't like it. And I had to watch my friends re-watch. always used to put on the fucking musical episode, and I'd have to sit with <laughs> uh, uh, To be honest, it hasn't, it hasn't aged well at all, actually. Well, nothing did. Nothing's aged well. Oh, and there's appearances in video games and action figures. But if we're honest, we're all a bit bored now, aren't we? Mm. Although certainly Jack wants us to be pointed in that direction. I, is there anything else from the article? Is, on there, April. is there anything else nightmare to edit. that you'd like me to point us towards, Chris? No, I think you've you've covered everything I know about April. I, I like the present. I like it more than Jack did, which makes me happy inside. Good, good. That's good. Happy Christmas. Thank you very much. See how presents work. What have you got for me? <laughs> Let's find out. So, Chris, the final present that we're giving is mine to yep. you. And it's funny that Phil Collins was mentioned in our last segment. Okay. 
because mine is music based. Oh. But I'm afraid it's not Phil Collins. Okay. Chris, we're going to be talking about Chris Wallace. Oh, okay. Oh, you've got Chris Wallace, Chris Wallace. I've got me. No, you haven't got a Wikipedia article because you're not notable. Okay. There is a noticeable... Noticeable? There is a notice. Notable. There is a notable Chris Wallace. <laughs> For the record, we don't normally record three podcasts in a row. And as a consequence, if you're finding that we're a little bit distracted and maybe not as competent as you would normally expect us to be... Which is very... Which is very, obviously. Mm-hmm. The, the longevity of this recording session might have something to do with that because we are now in our fifth hour. Mm-hmm. Fifth. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm detracting from your gift here. From me. Yeah. I'm me. You've been, you've gift been self-gifted. Me. Gift for you. Of me. Of you. But not you. Of course, if you if you don't know, and I think you do. I know. Um, I know about Christopher George Latour Wallace is better known by his stage name, the Notorious B.I.G. B. Smalls. So, Phil... Read away. The Notorious B.I.G. Um, and it's interesting because one thing we were talking about in between here was that the um, trailer for the new B.F.G. film has just been released. Mm-hmm. Notorious and, B.F.G. And I don't think that there's a crossover there. No. No, oh. no there's definitely not. Come on, let's get this done. <laughs> the Notorious B.I.G. Yep. Christopher George Latore Wallace. Not me. Born May 21st, 1972, died March 9th, 1997, is better known by his stage names, The Notorious B.I.G., Biggie, or Biggie Smalls. Um, He was an American rapper. Wallace is consistently ranked as one of the greatest and most influential rappers of all time. And funnily enough, well, it's not funny, actually, but on March the 9th every year, someone sends me a tweet saying, R.I.P. Biggie. (laughs) There's always at least one somewhere in the world. I get that. Yeah. Every year. Nice Nice to remember the best Chris Wallace that ever lived. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. You know, Biggie was good. He was good. He was very good. Some good tunes. Mm-hmm. 24 when he died. That's young. You've had three years on him, and what have you achieved in those three years? Those extra three years. Yeah. I feel like all your presents are laced <laughs> with just sadness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I've kind of forced this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've not come out of this well. No. No, you have definitely not. Eh, I'm fine with that. Wallace was raised in the Brooklyn borough of New York City. When he released his debut album, Ready to Die, in 1994, he became a central figure in the East Coast hip-hop scene and increased New York's visibility in the genre at a time when West Coast hip-hop was dominant in the mainstream. Now, my voice and podcasting... Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I've got used to listening to it, yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm generally I'm, I'm okay with the sound of my own voice back, yeah. and it does lend itself quite well, I think, to the thing that with the shtick that we have of reading yeah, out sort of so. quite yeah. dry lame losers reading out Wikipedia. Articles. Yeah, pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Mm. I'm not sure how well suited my particular voice. 
mm-hmm. my English middle class white voice <laughs> is to talking about the rap industry. No, and you know what? While I was selecting an article for Chris, I had two that I was deciding upon. Right. And there was not much between them. But the thought of you reading out some of his track names. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, yeah, push this one over the edge. Good. So I'm going to enjoy this. Okay, good. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to doctor my speech patterns. That would be worse. That would oh, yeah. definitely oh, be worse. Oh, well, yeah, if I put on my rap your... voice. Yeah. Yeah, I no, keep that don't. for when Which I'm... Which do you have? My underground rap battling voice, yeah. <laughs> Imagine Something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so this is a present for Chris, but also it's a little bit of a present for me and the listeners as well. Yeah. But not for you, Phil. Yeah. And also your present wasn't for you either. So, sorry, mate. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas. Thanks. Life and career. Born in St. Mary's Hospital, May 21st, 1972, as the only child of Valletta Wallace, a Jamaican preschool teacher, and Selwyn George Latour, a welder and small-time Jamaican politician. His father left the family when Wallace was two years old and his mother worked two jobs while raising him. Dickhead dads. It's all about yeah. dickhead dads, isn't it? For these Christmas. Gifts. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, we, we all know a dickhead dad, but mine's good. Mm-hmm. What? I don't know. Just <laughs> let's move past it. I don't know. At the qu- <laughs> <laughs> There's so many dickhead dads out there. Ted was a dickhead for a bit, but he's, he's good now. There's a reason why people don't record six hour long podcasts. There is a definite reason for that. We've been doing it for four. Okay. At the Queen of All Saints Middle School, Wallace excelled in class, winning several awards as an English student. He was nicknamed Big because of his overweight size by age 10. He said he started dealing when he was around the age of 12. His mother, often away at work, did not know of her son's drug sales until Wallace was an adult. Kept mm. it a secret. Uh, how many parallels are you finding so far? Because uh, that's what you should be looking for. Parallels. Were between... you overweight by age ten? Uh, not not biggie levels. Okay, and were you selling drugs by age twelve? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was also an excellent English student. There you go. Actually, I was. I was quite good at English. Mm. I, I, not so much the drugs. I, I believe the drugs more. At his request, Wallace transferred out of the Roman Catholic Bishop Lachlan Memorial High School to attend the state-funded George Westinghouse Career and Technical Education High School. American high schools have got big names. Big names. Which future rappers DMX, Jay-Z and Buster Rhymes also attended at the time. Wow, really? Mm. They all went to the same school? And it was the George Westinghouse Career and Technical Education High School. It's not as if they went to a rap school. No. <laughs> it wasn't the George Westinghouse Career and Technical Education and Rapping High School. It wasn't. But now it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although it was a high school. So. Ah. It's uh, yeah. good. Um. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long day. According to his mother, Wallace was still a good student, but he developed a smart-ass attitude oh, at the yeah. new school. I've still got that. Mm-hmm. At, at 17, Wallace dropped out of school yeah, and became further there, involved in crime. Well, I didn't become involved in crime. I wanted to become involved in lifeguarding. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've spoken about that on the I podcast before, haven't we? Yeah. <sighs> oh, I've read that bit already. In 1989, he was arrested on weapons charges in Brooklyn and sentenced to five years probation. In 1990, he was arrested on a violation of his probation. 
And a year later, Wallace was arrested in North Carolina for dealing crack cocaine. He spent nine months in jail before making bail. It does seem weird you reading my surname and saying these things I didn't do. Okay, good. Have you, you ever been in jail? No. Have you ever been arrested? We've asked that question asked like that. last we, we, week. Last did week. We? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you say last week, it's going to be... Four weeks ago. Yeah, we can regurgitate four weeks between bringing up the same absolute non-story is fine. <laughs> okay, so you haven't, just to be no, clear. No, just okay. to be clear. Right. Wallace began rapping when he was a teenager. It is brilliant, because I'm just picturing you for all of these. It's fine. Wallace began rapping when he was a teenager. He entertained people on the streets and performed with local groups, the Old Gold Brothers and the Techniques. After being released from jail, Wallace made a demo tape under the name Biggie Smalls, a reference to a character in the 1975 film Let's Do It Again, as well as his stature. He stood six feet three inches and weighed as much as 300 to 380 pounds, according to differing accounts. Cool, Biggie. Six foot three? How tall six are you? Foot three? I think you I'm must be five eleven. Five eleven six, something like yeah. that. Yeah, five, five eleven. That makes more sense, yeah. I'm sure I've heard that somewhere. <laughs> And um, are you 300 to 380 pounds? No. Mm, so you're not? <laughs> you're not? Um, no, you're clearly not, Dick. No, 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 that's not what, no, that's not what I'm saying. No, I was going to say, so you're not as tall or as heavy or as talented. <laughs> Sorry. I was being a dick, I was just doing it at a different angle. A different approach. angle from what I was saying, right, I see. Because Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. In March 1992, Wallace was featured in the Source's unsigned hype column dedicated to aspiring rappers and made a recording off the back of this success. The demo tape was heard by Uptown Records A&R and record producer Sean Combs, who, was arranged, who arranged for a meeting with Wallace. He was signed to Uptown immediately. So just in case anyone missed that, Sean Combs is um, Puff Daddy. Yes? I believe so. I don't think he's... Is he still Puff Daddy? P. Diddy now. It's just called Diddy. It's just called Diddy, yes. Soon after signing his recording contract, Combs was fired from Uptown and started a new label. Wallace followed and in mid-1992 signed to Combs' new imprint label, Bad Boy Records. On August 8th, 1993, Wallace's longtime girlfriend gave birth to his first child, Tiana. Wallace had split with his girlfriend for some time before Tiana's birth. Oh, dickhead dads. Yeah. <laughs> Wallace wanted his daughter to complete her education despite being a high school dropout himself. Okay, not that much of a dickhead dad. Wallace said that if his mother had promised him what he promised his daughter, everything she wanted, Wallace would have been not only a graduate but also at the top of his class. He continued selling drugs after the birth to support his daughter financially. Dickhead dad. Once Combs discovered this, he forced Wallace to quit. Not dickhead puff daddy. Not dickhead puff daddy. Good work. Later in the year, Wallace gained exposure on a remix to Mary J. Blige's single Real Love under the pseudonym The Notorious B.I.G. He recorded under this name for the remainder of his career after finding the original moniker, Biggie Smalls, was already in use. <laughs> <laughs> 1994, Ready to Die and Marriage. On August the 4th, 1994, Wallace married R&B singer Faith Evans after they met at a bad boy photo shoot. Five days later, Wallace had his first pop chart success as a solo artist with double A-side Juicy and Unbelievable, which reached number 27 as the lead single to his debut album. Ready to Die was released on September the 13th, 1994 and reached number 13 on the Billboard 200 charts. I've just remembered that we 
we definitely have talked about um, Biggie Smalls on the podcast before because um, during our wrestling episode way back when you are uh, you were juicy, weren't you? That was your oh yeah, you yeah, your yeah. yeah. I've deleted that episode from my mind. Yeah, oh, nobody okay. remembers that because it was unlistenable. Right, <laughs> and we are doing so much better now. <laughs> so much better. Twenty-five episodes on. <laughs> Buster Rhymes claims to have seen Wallace giving out free copies of Ready to Die from his home, Hmm. which Rhymes reasoned as his way of marketing himself. (laughs) (laughs) Around the time of the album's release, Wallace became friends with Tupac Shakur, also a rapper. Oh, dramatic irony alert. I was not friends with Tupac. Nope. Were you not? Nope. I've given up on really looking for any links between your it's life and his. It's quite difficult. I think it begins and ends with the fact that you've got the same name. Impossibly. Mm. In August 1995, Wallace's protege group, Junior Mafia, Junior's, <laughs> Junior Mafia stands for Junior Masters at Finding Intelligent Attitudes. That doesn't... I've got nothing to say about that. They released their debut album, Conspiracy. The group consisted of his friends from childhood, included rappers such as Lil' Kim and Lil' Cease, who went on to have solo careers. Never heard of Lil' Cease. Nope. At the Source Awards in August 1995, he was named the Best New Artist, Solo, Lyricist of the Year, Live Performer of the Year, and his debut album of the year. At the Billboard Awards, he was Rap Artist of the Year. Mm. Doing well. Kudos. In the year of his success, Wallace became involved in a rivalry between East and West Coast hip hop scenes with Shakur, now his former friend. Uh oh. In an interview with Vibe in April 1995, while serving time in Clinton Correctional Facility, Shakur accused Uptown Records founder Andre Harrell, Sean Combs, and Wallace of having prior knowledge of a robbery that resulted in him being shot five times and losing thousands of dollars worth of jewellery on the night of November 30th, 1994. Though Wallace and his entourage were in the same Manhattan-based recording studio at the time of the shooting, they denied the accusation. Wallace Wallace said it happened to be a coincidence that he, Rakit Shakur, was in the studio. He just, he couldn't really say who really had something to do with it at the time, so he just kind of learned, leaned the blame on me. That was my best impersonation there. Pretty good. good. Thanks. In 2012, a man named Dexter Isaac, serving a life sentence for unrelated crimes, claimed that he attacked Shakur that night and that the robbery was orchestrated by James Rosemond, a.k.a. Jimmy Henchman. Come on, Jimmy Henchman. Jimmy Henchman. (laughs) It's not not a Guy Ritchie film. (laughs) Following his release from prison, Shakur signed to Death Row Records. On October the 15th, 1995, Bad Boy Records and Death Row, now business rivals, became involved in an intense quarrel. Intense. I'm not sure I'd use the word quarrel. Beef. Beef. Yeah, they had beef. During this time, he also worked with R&B pop singer, songwriter and producer Michael Jackson for the History album. Lil Cease claimed in 2013 that Wallace denied his wishes to meet Jackson, citing that he did not trust Michael with kids. He was astute. In June 1996, Shakur really released Hit 'em Up, a diss song in which he claims to have had sex with Wallace's wife. Have you ever done this, Chris? No, this no, hasn't okay. happened to you. Have you not? I've not I mean, there's, there's still time. Oh, you've not released a diss song. We can have that <laughs> 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 
She was estranged at the time, though, so I don't see what the problem was. And that Wallace copied his style and image. Wallace referred to the first claim about his wife's pregnancy on Jay-Z's Brooklyn's Finest, where he raps, If Faye, brackets Faith Evans, his wife at the time, have twins, she'd probably have two packs. Get it? Two packs. Don't get it. (laughs) No, I I genuinely don't get it. It doesn't work. (laughs) However, Wallace did not directly respond to the record during his lifetime, stating in a 1997 radio interview that it was not his style to respond. Shakur was shot multiple times in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada on September 7th, 1996 and died six days later in on September the 13th, of complications from the gunshot wounds. Rumours of Wallace's involvement with Shakur's murder was reported almost immediately. A two-part series Chuck Phillips wrote for the Los Angeles Times in 2002, Who Killed Tupac Shakur, based on police reports and multiple sources, reported that the shooting was carried out by a Compton gang called the Southside Crips to avenge the beating of one of its members by Shakur a few hours earlier and that Wallace had paid for the gun. His family publicly denied the reports, producing documents purporting to show that the rapper was in New York and New Jersey at the time. Wallace was involved in a car accident that shattered his left leg and temporarily confined him to a wheelchair. The injury forced him to use a cane. He and Lil Cease were arrested for smoking marijuana in public and had their car repossessed. Wallace chose a Chevrolet Lumina rental SUV as a substitute, despite Lil Cease's objections. The vehicle had brake problems before the accident, but Wallace dismissed them. According to Lil Cease, Wallace's leg was shattered when they hit a rail along with Lil Cease's jaw. Wallace spent months in hospital following the accident and had to complete therapy. Despite his hospitalisation, he continued to work on the album. The accident was referred to in the lyrics of Long Kiss Goodnight. You still tickle me. I used to be strong as Ripple B till Lil Cease crippled me. <laughs> you, you just want me to just read out rap lyrics. That's, that, that's great. You, I really you're happy for that. me to just do that. Yeah. That can be our podcast now. Honestly, I would be happy with that format change. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the listeners would as well. <laughs> Chris, how do you feel me spitting out dope tracks? I, oh, I would love to hear that. <laughs> even even though you're doing it as a joke, it's still absolutely <laughs> painful, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> Death and funeral. Well, no. we, we already know that you've outlived him, so this is not prophetic. Yeah. So that's good, Chris. Okay, good. Wallace travelled to Los Angeles in February 1997 to promote his upcoming studio album and film a music video for its lead single, Hypnotise. Banging. Banging song. Hypnotise is banging, is it? I do seem not, to remember it being familiar. a bit shit. No, I do remember it. <laughs> it's not I, a bit shit. I, I, <laughs> it's good. I, no, I genuinely disliked anything that I've heard of, of Biggie's. It's just shit. No. Hypnotise. That was a good one, I think, if I remember. Yeah, hypnotise and juicy. Hypnotise me. I know it. Yeah, that's wicked. That's That's a wicked tune. You should lay that down. (laughs) Just lay it down. (laughs) I think I just did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In March, he presented an award to Tony Braxton at the 1997 Soul Train Music Awards in Los Angeles and was booed by some of the audience. After the ceremony, Wallace attended an after-party hosted by Vibe magazine and Quest Records at the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles. 
Other guests included Faith Evans, Aaliyah, Sean Combs, and members of the Bloods and Crips gangs. It sounds too ridiculous to be real, doesn't it? It all just sounds, this can't be real life. This is West Side Story we're describing here. On March the 9th, Wallace left in a GMC suburban SUV at 12.30am. By 12.45am, the streets were crowded with people leaving the event. Wallace's SUV stopped at a red light at the corner of Wilshire Boulevard and South Fairfax Avenue, 50 yards from the museum. A dark-coloured Chevrolet Impala SS pulled up alongside Wallace's SUV. The driver of the Impala, a black male dressed in a blue suit and bow tie, rolled down his window drew a 9mm blue steel pistol and fired up the SUV. Four bullets hit Wallace. Um, his entourage rushed him to Cedars-Sinai Medical Centre, um, but he was pronounced dead at 1.15am, six months after Tupac Shakur was killed. There's a photo or a composite sketch of the suspect of the shooting, and he basically just looks like Brother Muzone from The Wire. <laughs> yeah. Bow tie and all. Yeah, a bow tie... That's your mm. murder apparel, is it? Wallace's autopsy was released to the public in December. Such a jaunty to... way to launch into the <laughs> autopsy segment of the podcast. Oh, I'm t- we are never recording three episodes in a go in a row again. We are no, never is, doing that. This is bad news. This is bad news. We are all too tired to function now. If you're still listening, well done. Work. Well done, because this is not our finest. I am going to bed like. The second, yeah. (laughs) Wallace's autopsy. That is the difference between you and the notorious (laughs) B.I.D. He would have never said anything like that. Wallace's autopsy was released to the public in December 2012, over a decade after his death. According to the report, three of the four shots were not fatal. That doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's of no consequence. Oh, <laughs> the first bullet hit his left forearm and travelled down his wrist. The second hit him in the back, missing all vital organs, and exited through his left shoulder. And the third hit his outer left thigh and left through his inner thigh. Ouch. The report said the third bullet struck the left side of the scrotum, causing a very shallow three-eighths of an inch linear laceration. That isn't that shallow in a scrotum. No. Any laceration in a scrotum is, is, is significant. Deep. Yeah. The fourth bullet was fatal, entering through his right hip and striking several vital organs before stopping in his left shoulder area. That bullet struck his colon, liver, heart and upper lobe of his left lung. Wow. A fora. Mm. Bullets aren't conkers. <laughs> Just... And that is why you are not a member of the, the hip-hop scene. That's, that's it, yeah. Biggie's funeral was held in March 1997 at the Frank E. Campbell Funeral Chapel in Manhattan. There were among 350 mourners at the funeral, including Queen Latifah, Flavor Flav, Mary J. Blige, Lil' Kim, Lil' Cease, Run DMC, DJ Cool Herc... Buster Rhymes, Salt and Pepper, DJ Spinderella. Salt and Pepper. How did they get an invite? And how are they not listed individually, even on when listing them as attendees at a funeral? <laughs> They're still just one collective lump. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Salt and Pepper. Spinderella, cut it up one time. Foxy Brown, Sister Soldier, and others. Like Colin. Mm. You can't. You've got to separate Salt and Pepper. They must have real names. No. No. 
After the funeral, his body was cremated. You say, you say they must have real names after reading out Queen Latifah, Flavor Flav, Little Kim, Little Seats, <laughs> Run DMC, and DJ Coolhurk. Yeah, true. <laughs> after the funeral, his body was cremated and the ashes were given to his family. 16 days after his death, Wallace's double disc second album was released as planned with the shortened title Life After Death and hit number one on the Billboard 200 charts. So it's good for record sales, mm. if nothing else, yeah. being shot in the scrotum. It gained strong reviews and in 2000 was certified Diamond, the highest RIAA certification awarded to a solo hip-hop album. Its lead single, Hypnotize, was the last music video recording in which Wallace would participate. His biggest chart success was with its follow-up, Mo Money, Mo Problems. That was actually good. Featuring Sean Combs under his rap alias Puff Daddy and Mace. Both singles reached number one in the Hot 100, making Wallace the first artist to achieve this feat posthumously. Hmm. In mid-1997, Combs released his debut album, No Way Out, which featured Wallace on five songs, notably on the third single, Victory, the most prominent single from the record... Uh, record... Well, that's not right. The most prominent single from the album was I'll Be Missing You, featuring Combs, Faith Evans, and 112, which was dedicated to Wallace's memory. Mm -hmm. And is awful. It is I so do remember bad. that. It's so uh, yeah, even cloying I'm... and sentimental yeah. and just shit. Legacy, considered one of the best artists in hip-hop music, Wallace was described by all music as the saviour of East Coast hip-hop. The Source magazine named Wallace the greatest rapper of all time in its 150th issue in 2002. In 2003, when XXL magazine asked several hip-hop artists to list their five favourite MCs, Wallace's name appeared on more rappers' lists than anyone else. Rolling Stone has referred to him as the greatest rap rapper that has ever lived. And in 2015, Billboard named Wallace as the greatest rapper of all time. Since his death, Wallace's lyrics have been sampled and quoted by a variety of hip-hop, R&B and pop artists, including Jay-Z, 50 Cent, Alicia Keys, Fat Joe, Nelly, Ja Rule, Eminem, Lil Wayne, Game, Clinton Sparks, Michael Jackson and Usher. The Christopher Wallace Memorial Foundation holds an annual black tie dinner, the B.I.G. Night Out, clever like yeah, what they've done. Like to raise funds for children's school equipment and supplies and to honour the memory of the late rapper. For this particular event, because it is a children's schools charity, B.I.G. is also <laughs> said to stand for Books Instead of Guns. Books Instead of Guns, nice. Fair enough. Preferable. Yep. Thank you for listening to our third part of our Christmas special. Um, and that's it. That's it for this year. This we'll be year. back in a new year next Tuesday mm -hmm. for episode 46. Yeah, 46. 46, wow. yeah. So we're heading towards say, episode 50. This so. plan of recording three bonus episodes in a row really just to give us ourselves a month off, that was hard work. Mm. I'm tired. I've... I hope it's, it, it's somewhat listenable at the end of it. I think... They've probably declined in quality each week. I, I feel so. But, <laughs> but you never know. But you're all feeling a bit overfull. You've eaten a bit too much. You're just feeling a bit lethargic. You don't want. You want something that's you know not the top of its game. What, no, ready what, to. So they want stodgy, overdone. Yeah. yeah. No, they don't. That's, that's what the they last want. Thing yeah, no, that's what they, they want. Need a that's smoothie or something. <laughs> no, no. This is in keeping with that. 
They're ready to okay, start over indulgence. Yeah, over self-indulgence. Yeah, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. That's what we're giving them. Yeah, you know, just a bit sleepy. Mm-hmm. They're not that focused, and it's just sort of a little lilting, and we're we're together. And then we'll be back in the new year with New Year's resolutions to be new and better people, and we will be there with you. That's a good point, Chris. And it'll feel New Year's resolutions. Do you have any? That one. What to be a better person? Yep, to be a better person. And that's a bit non-specific. I don't see how you're going to measure that. Yeah. To, I want to watch The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> Please, that will make you a better person. That. That's a That'll great New Year's resolution. That is a good New Year's Seriously. resolution. I'll watch the wire. I will good, back you good on man. that. Good choice. Um, Phil? My New Year's resolution. I've thought about this, actually, what I want to do as a New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to tell people when I like their shit more. Okay. That's nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Are you talking uh, about shit? Not literal. No, oh, this isn't literal. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm not just going <laughs> to hang around Thank in you. toilet stalls complimenting strangers. I don't think Thank that will you. go down well mm-hmm. for anybody. Okay. Um, so, but when and... it, the thing that I've got from doing this podcast more than anything else is that we love it when people get in touch with us. Yeah. Absolutely adore it and would massively encourage anybody to do that at every possibility. And no comment at all would come across as creepy or weird or be anything other than well received. I encourage creepy comments. Absolutely. And yet all of my life, I've always been afraid of doing that, of mm. telling people I really like your stuff. And there's so many ways mm. of doing it. I don't have to actually go to their house anymore. Just go on Twitter and say, you know that new song you've just done? <laughs> anymore, anymore. <laughs> Hello. I think it's dead good and mm. it makes me feel happy. And how can that not be a good thing? So I'm going to do that more. I'm going to make That's a point good. of getting in touch with people directly like and saying, I like this thing, what you've done. Mm. It made me feel good. Cool. What about you? Uh, mine's just to fuck off somewhere for a bit. Mm. Just gonna fuck off. Okay. Don't know where. Don't know when. Well, I'll I for one my, pay off all my debt. That's that's the main thing, and then I might fuck off somewhere. I for one am massively supportive of all of those um, New Year's <laughs> resolutions. <laughs> I have my full support. Uh, predictions. For 2016, what's going to happen in the world in 2016? I think ISIS are going to reign supreme by the end of the year. Do you think? Yeah, definitely. It's probably best to hedge our bets because we've been quite critical of them in the past. I welcome our new ISIS overlords. Yeah, I think it it won't hurt us to just, you know, Mm -hmm. feather that pillow. No, that's not the phrase, is it? No. Feather that nest. No. Yeah, Yeah. that's my main prediction. Also, um, the Queen is going to die. Do you think? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's due. Oh, yeah. just... It's just long overdue. Come on, yeah. give us a bloody day off. Don't you? But Philip's got to go first. You reckon they'll go with it? I reckon they'll go within a week of each other. That'd be ideal. Yeah, that's more specific. So if that comes through, it'd be more impressive if my thing comes through than if your thing came true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, what's your? Is that your big prediction? Yeah, I've I've hijacked yours and okay. I've it, it embellished in a way that might potentially make me look more impressive. Mm, fair enough, Chris. I'm going to watch The Wire. That's, no, that's, that's not a prediction. That's you're, you're predicting that you're going to watch The Wire as well as it being your resolution. Yeah. I'm predicting that... I, oh, I, will, I can't drive. That will happen. That, that, you that will can all, it will, <laughs> You not being able to drive will continue to happen. No, I will, fi- I will finish that. You'll finish. You'll pass. You know what I'm saying. T- it's funny. You just look so dead behind the eyes. Because I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
let's prolong this for as long as possible. Let's not. That's, no, that's, no, no, no. That's, we, we already have done that. Such a reflection of your character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for joining us um, in our debut year. Debut April year. 16th, I yeah. think our first episodes mm-hmm. were released. Um, been quite a year. Mm, and we've won we are yeah, we've, we've mentioned that. We have mentioned that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we're very thankful for mm. all of your support, all of your downloads, all of your comments and your presence. presence. Um, the latter of which is more than encouraged um, to continue into the new year. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Send us post. If you didn't send us a Christmas card, then it's not too late. We'll accept the Christmas card now. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Wiki Shuffle HQ, 1B Headlands, Kettering NN157ER. Yep, and if you are bored over New Year, if you're in work and it's a bit slow, iTunes reviews for the podcast mm-hmm. is by far the biggest thing that can help us out um, in terms of us expanding and, and gaining new listeners, as well as word of mouth. So feel free to do either of those if we've um, impressed you enough with our uh, excellent... This isn't <laughs> the right episode to leave that request it's after. Probably not, is it? <laughs> I realise that halfway through. Abandoned <laughs> sentence. Right. 2016. We'll see you then. In the future. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Year. Bye. All acquaintance be forgot. I'm pressing the stop button on. Seriously. I'm pressing stop. No more champagne. The fireworks are through. Here we are. Me and you. to say Happy New Year Happy New Year May we all have a vision now and then of a world where every neighbour is a friend Happy New Year Happy New Year May we all have our homes are real to try If we don't Still tickle me. I used to be strong as Ripple B till Lil C crippled me. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns